You're listening to Trek FM. Want to join in the conversation and share your thoughts on this episode? Join the Babel Conference, our listeners' discussion group on Facebook. Just type B-A-B-E-L into the Facebook search field, and we'll look forward to seeing you there. This is Steve Sansweet of Rancho Obi-Wan, and you're listening to the 602 Club. Hello and welcome to the 602 Club, Track FM's local watering hole, and I am as always excited to be here. And of course, now just one of your hosts, uh, and with me as she is every single week, the fantastically quaffed Christy, because <laughs> you just got your hair did, because I saw that on Instagram mm, True for Star Wars Celebration, so you're looking fantastic. And no, 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 before you think this, her looks do not define her as a person. I'm just complimenting her. Yes. There's a lot more on the inside than you would know from the yeah, outside. Yeah, there's, there's more than meets the eye with Christy. I'm not just a pretty face. <laughs> or okay. a transformer, apparently. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm thrilled to be back, though. Yeah, we're going to have a lot of fun tonight as we talk about the original Captain Marvel, a.k.a. Shazam. And with us to do that is the person who talked about the other Captain Marvel with us, Brandy. How's it going, Brandy? Oh, I'm so excited to be here. Uh, I love Captain Marvels and all their incarnations. <laughs> all of the Captain I don't care Marvels. If it's a man. I don't care if it's a woman. I don't care if it's Marvel. I don't care if it's DC. I, I just, just want it. Marvel. I want. I want my Captain Marvel. I want it. And I begged to be on this podcast. I'm like, please, it has to be me, please. <laughs> she did. It was like Meredith Grey standing before Derek, saying, "Pick me, choose me, oh, love me." Geez. It was just like that. So. But yes, Brandy is being loved tonight because, of course, you're going to be here. So we're going to be talking all about DC Comics' brand new film here, Shazam. But before we do that, of course, just want to say a quick thank you. Christy, we got a brand new iTunes review for the 602 Club. Sweet. So I wanted to thank that person and read out their review. And so we really, one, we just really appreciate people doing that. Spending their time, uh, you know, giving us a, a review means a lot to us. They said, so glad I found this, and it's B-W-D-E-S-M-O. Not completely sure how you would say that, but they said, well, let's found more guided here by Matt in the Babel Conference Facebook page. Love all of the input on all the geeky things I loved all my life as an old man growing up in the 70s, early 90s when I was a nerd. Uh, was still an insult. It's great to see so much of what I love becoming mainstream. Keep up the good work. You know what? Hallelujah. You're among friends. All that we love. We're all nerds. Yes. Yes, we really are. So I'm proud of it. So yeah. Um, thank you so much, though, for the five star review over there on iTunes. It really means a lot to us. It helps people find the show. Follow their lead. Give us uh, your own thoughts and rating and review there. Plus, you can find us wherever you get your podcasts. And uh, just make sure you're subscribed wherever you are. You get the episode as soon as it drops. And, uh, you, you know, because you don't want to miss out on an episode of the 602 Club. That that would be crazy. 
You can also find us online on Twitter at TrekFM, Facebook at Facebook.com slash TrekFM. We've got the Listeners Only Discussion Group where this listener actually mentioned uh, you can find us at the Babel Conference over on Facebook. You can talk to all the different listeners from all around the world about everything that's going on here on TrekFM, whether it's the 602 Club or anything else. Type Babel in the search field on Facebook to get there. Or if you're on the website at Trek.FM, hit discussion on any of the show pages, menu bars, that will let you over there as well. And then last but not least, if you would like to send us an email, you can do that. Christy and I love getting emails from people. So at track.fm slash contact, choose a show, choose the 602 Club, and then that email comes to us. And now the most important question as we say his name, Shazam, I wanted to know where you guys were coming from as fans of the character and kind of what your experience has been like. Because I will say this, I think... You know, Marvel started off its entire, you know, Marvel Cinematic Universe with Iron Man. And many people don't really remember that Iron Man was kind of like a B-level character in Marvel. (laughs) And I I think Shazam is kind of like that for DC. He is more of a B-level character. And so I'm wondering, you know, where both of you were coming from with this character. So... I was definitely the um, less experienced person of of the three of us as far as Shazam goes. Um, But I don't know if you knew this, Matt, but I was absolutely a DC fangirl when I got into comics. Um, You know, it's been sort of a divisive thing. Either you were all Marvel or you were all DC. Um, And I was so much into DC. Catwoman's my favorite character. And I used to read Justice League Dark. And I loved Constantine and Zatanna and all of those characters. But I'd never really heard of Shazam until this movie was coming out. And I don't know how, but I missed that. And so I was really excited to see it and learn more about it. And then my husband and Brandy uh, have told me a little bit more about where Shazam came from, but I'll save that for Brandy. (laughs) Well, I am old enough to remember Saturday mornings and the Shazam Isis Hour that was put on by Filmation Studios. It was live action, both shows. And uh, yeah, live action, half hour Shazam show, Billy Batson, being a teenager that can turn into an adult superhero. And I was always glued to that television during the Shazam Isis hour. The, the Isis one was kind of weirder. I'm just like, bring me Shazam. I want Shazam. So I don't really consciously remember a time before Shazam, just like I don't consciously remember a time before Wonder Woman or Superman or or Captain America. Well, no, I do remember a time before Captain America because that was a very pivotal point in my life. But I... It's, I've always loved comic books and comic book characters. And, uh, the, the comic itself was kind of sporadic throughout my lifetime and had a little bit of a resurgence in the nineties and then stopped again in 1999. And then in the last decade, it was reinvigorated as part of the new 52. And my love was reborn. It took the story in a different direction and created some extremely memorable characters along the way that I cannot actually see this universe without them now. They, they've become that integral to the story and to 
the storytelling. So I have really loved that. And I actually had the original, the, the new 52 graphic novel, and then they put out a new version of it was in same graphic novel, but with Zachary Levi on the cover as Shazam. And I said, well, I have to buy it again. I mean, obviously, <laughs> what are you going to do? I've got my Shazam action figures over there. I got my big red. I got my little red still waiting for that Funko Pop hard to get my hands on. And of course the, uh, the, the nicer action figure still waiting on that. It's not going to be released till July with the interchangeable hands. That's the one you got to get super opposable joints, etc. So, uh, yeah, my love for Shazam is deep and strong. And I was super psyched to find out Zachary Levi had been cast as the title role because he is my favorite celebrity of all time. Aww. I don't even know if I can compete with, well, I can't <laughs> compete with that at all. Um, so, you know, it's funny you mentioned, you know, the fact that we, you Shazam has a real sporadic history in DC Comics. Um, and especially since, you know, they didn't actually own all the rights to Shazam, I think, until like 1972, possibly. Yep. So um, before that, they had been licensing the characters from um, Fawcett Comics and in fact, Fawcett Comics originally had been, you know, publishing them, and Shazam was more popular than Superman in the fifties. Like he was a huge character, so which created a lawsuit. And you can go look that up on Wikipedia. My point is, is that you know when I got into reading comics with the New Fifty Two, I actually missed out on the Shazam run because it wasn't a character I was super familiar with. Now I kind of knew a little bit about him because he would kind of pop up in other places around the, the DC universe. And in fact, by the end of the new 52, he was a part of the justice league uh, and a big part of the uh, dark side war that was happening as well. So, I mean, he became a character I became more and more familiar with. And then, you know, when I knew that this was coming out and I was reading, you know, the, who, they were basing his this movie off of that run by um, Gary Frank and uh, Jeff Johns. I thought, well, I should definitely read it. And I, it's a great run. It's sad that it didn't get to last longer because I think what they, I mean, basically the story they tell in that comic book is this movie for the most part. It's very similar to this. There are things, but there's a lot that's well, different. I mean, there's a lot that's, uh, there are some things they kind of either smooth out or they don't, you know, but I mean, the the basic structure of that story is this, you know, um, the movie, which was great because I really, and I don't have to have the comic be just like the movie either, you know, that doesn't always have to be the thing. Like we talked about Watchmen last week and that's a movie where it needs to be like the comic for the most part. This is, you know, like this kind of thing where you're taking any of these superheroes, you kind of end up taking the best of all the different, you know, versions and kind of pouring them all into one character for the most part. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I was really excited to actually get a chance to see this. And of course, you know, one of the things about the 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 character is that because he was in the new 52 he was in the justice league movies that were coming out for the animated universe of dc which is based off of that in in the most recent run since like what 2012 i think so i have seen him in those as well and you know if you've never seen any of the dc animated films you know go check them out because they're great they do a really good job um so yeah, I was I was very excited to kind of come into this movie and like you Brandy, 
Uh, Zachary Levi, you know, coming from Chuck. I loved Chuck. was obsessed with that show. You know, he's a great actor. And getting to know more about him as a person, I mean, he's just a great person. And so I was very excited to see him kind of get this moment of wish fulfillment, which isn't even on the outline, but I thought it would be kind of interesting to talk about because this character really is about that. It's like, it's as if we got the opportunity to maybe be a superhero. Like, what would happen if, you know, like, you somebody just gave you all these powers, you know? Like, I think that's such a great idea for a comic to talk about that like you know what would it be like to have these powers for somebody like unexpectedly really and i think that's what makes shazam i think different than most superheroes in general like what well, i can't you know zachary levi was talking about on a on a interview the fact that you know you don't really get a lot of superheroes where they're really excited to be superheroes you know um there are very few of them actually uh, he was he was saying, you know, you got like your Spider-Man, you got Billy Batson, maybe the Flash, but kind of it, you know, um, when it when you really get down to somebody who's just overjoyed at being a superhero. So the idea of wish fulfillment was something I thought was really fun about this movie. I think they capture the spirit of that so well in this movie. Yeah, I agree completely. And before I forget, there is a Shazam comic currently running. It started in January. It's true. Yep. And uh, of course, I have been getting every issue because <laughs> I do that. Uh, I I love that idea of wish fulfillment. How, what kid hasn't wanted to be able to just turn into a superhero, especially an adult one. How much time do we spend as kids wishing we were grown-ups and able to do what we wanted? And then we get to be grown-ups and we realize, oh, <laughs> it's not like that. But this this is the purest form of wish fulfillment. And it, it makes every one of us question, okay, what would I do if I got those powers? How would I use them? Would I be good? Would I be selfish? What would I do? What would my lair so, be like? Yes, on a cliff. Yeah, you know, with, with water, some, some water, yeah, Lots, yeah some yeah. crashing waves, <laughs> and you know. just one bedroom. Yeah, <laughs> Oliver is like one seven. <laughs> yeah, he's not. He's not starting a foster home himself. Yeah, apparently. Yeah, that was early though. <laughs> but yeah, I agree. I think that it absolutely hinges on um, Billy having that wish fulfillment like you're saying about getting to do things that he never thought he'd be able to do i mean even just the capability of being older like i thought it was so funny that they're showing that feeling of like well i'm gonna try to buy beer and he's just like some of your best beer please you know he doesn't even know what to ask for or anything because he's like 15 you know he doesn't know and then they taste it and i love that they spit it out because it's like I thought that I wanted that and it's disgusting. <laughs> um, so I think it's a really great story of, um, you know, like you said, Brandy, what would you do in that situation? Um, getting to see somebody who, like Matt said, is excited to be super. Um, because I think too, most superheroes are also so troubled by other things happening to them that they don't have time to be excited about their abilities or maybe they've always had them. Um, 
And so you really get to see him just living in the joy of all of these new things he can do. Well, and what's what's interesting too, and I think that it's it's really kind of like when you think about this being part of the DC universe of of movies, right? What's so cool about Billy is that he gets the opportunity to be in a world where Superman already exists, where Wonder Woman is already a thing, where Aquaman is already a thing, where Flash is already a thing, and people have already accepted them, so he doesn't have to go through that experience that soups does right Mm -hmm. where i'm an all-powerful godlike being and people are afraid of me because they don't know what to expect but they've set the stage now so you can tell a story like this and i think it makes like when i think back to like it makes more sense for people to react to superman like that than i'm automatically being like oh jolly gee you're the like the best thing ever (laughs) no we would be really scared of that but then you you know now that they have brought that out into the world somebody like billy who gets these abilities is immediately kind of accepted is like oh it's a new costume here it's the it's a new we've got our own hero you know like people are excited about that and i think the wish fulfillment of that too you you because of the 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 scope of where we've been in the DC universe, we get to have this kind of story now. And I feel like it, it to me, it makes more sense is in the long scheme of things that people then can just accept this character and that this character then can really just enjoy their powers because nobody's worried that they're going to kill them, you know, like with the blink of an eye um, because they're already, Hey, you know, Superman was in town last week doing something and, batman or you know whatever so um and you know that was kind of that's the meta joke too you get in the movie where you know they're in the toy store and they you've got the toys you know for batman and flash and wonder woman and all that stuff you know it's great um i love when you get to see the the worlds of like comics and like quote-unquote real world of these movies collide you know so yeah it just it created a real sense of fun, but I think it was able to have that fun because we had been a little bit serious before with some of the other heroes so that it makes, to me, it just makes more sense why the world is the way it is now. And um, Billy gets to reap those rewards, you know? I think that's really cool. And um, yeah, I just, I the conversation that he and Freddie have, you know, like of flight or you know invisibility and all that kind of stuff you know those Mm -hmm. are all the conversations that you know we as geeks have all had would you rather be able to fly or you know so it just i don't know there's something about that that i really appreciated about the movie getting to talk about and on top of that i think one of the things that this movie really is is a tale of two boys and their experiences and on top of that, like what it means to be good and what it means to be bad, and that in the end, both of those things are really a choice. I thought that was a really strong message in this movie because, you know, both of these characters are in awful places when we meet them. You know, they're just, they have really bad lives. Mm-hmm. And the choices that they make, um, they're not being forced to make those choices. They choose to do those things in the end. Um, and I just, I really, that is one of the themes in this movie I thought was really strong. And it's like the fact that this is a little bit more lighthearted with some really super scary PG-13 moments, you know, for your kids, you know, like we're talking like Temple of Doom kind of thing. 
scary. <laughs> um, I thought that that was a great thing. Like I, this is the kind of movie you, you like want to take your kids to and then have a conversation about afterwards. Like, and to me, those those are the things where I think comic movies are really doing what they should do. That it's not going too far to where it would be either too adult or too scary for kids that, you know, you could still probably take a a preteen little boy or a little girl with you and then explain it to them after. Um, And I think, too, that this was really a, a breath of fresh air, sort of like you were saying, Matt, after everything so serious prior in the DC movies. Um, but also this back and forth between choices, um, it it does get serious. And I I think for sure you see where Billy is coming from. He had every reason to end up being exactly the same as Thad. Um, because I mean, how awful would it feel that you've spent 15 years or, you know, I guess 10 years because he was probably, five when his mom lost him but he thought that they had just gotten separated and then you know he finds out that she doesn't actually want him and that's what I was afraid it was going to get to um and I mean I think that that would be something really difficult to deal with thankfully I haven't but there's people that have and then Thad you know from the the opposite standpoint um came from a situation that he um, was being told was his fault and feeling like it wasn't um, instead of proving everybody wrong in a good way and being becoming a stand-up guy you know he just gets worse and worse and it, it absolutely is a choice yeah I agree and you know everybody reacts differently to different circumstances and when you're a kid I, I honestly I prefer this version of of Savannah to the new 52 graphic novel version, I think the motivation is better for why he does what he does. And I have seen plenty of people in my life who have had that negative reinforcement of you'll never amount to anything. And when you're constantly bombarded by that, you start to think it and you start to believe it. And for that brief moment when he was transported into the Rock of Eternity and almost given that power, he realized, oh, no, wait, I am better. And so being rejected by the wizard just made him absolutely resolute that he was going to find a way to get that power. And it just charted the path of the rest of his life. He chose that obsession rather than trying to examine hey, what can I do in my life to make my situation better as I get older? You know, what can I do to change my situation? All that he wants is he wants the magic. He wants revenge. He wants to hurt everybody who hurt him. And every child has felt that way. But we all make different choices about how we express it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I thought that was, you know, watching him instead of think of anything self-reflectively okay why wasn't i chosen Mm -hmm. he just turns to the easy part which is anger you know um and as we all know anger leads to hate and hate leads to (laughs) suffering and that's exactly what happens in this movie uh and so thank you yoda um for you, you really see that path and what's what's fascinating about the movie is is really these two guys are mirrors for each other because Billy has the opportunity to go down that path as well. And he almost chooses that path. You know, when he gets his powers, 
the wish fulfillment, like Brandy, you were talking about, what do you do with those powers? You know, Freddy confronts him. He's like, you're just turning into a big douchebag just like the two guys that we beat up on us at school. Like, you've mm-hmm. just turned into them. You're a bully. And, you know, when you have that kind of power, what will you do with it? And I think the thing that was also interesting as well is that Billy is blessed with the opportunity to realize that he will choose the selfless path because he has that modeled for him somewhere, you know, in his new foster family. And, you know, Thad does not have that modeled for him. At least we don't see that anywhere, right? And so it does show that there's, there is a component that goes along with this, which is it is a nurture thing, but in, it's a nature thing as well. And in the end, it's still always a choice. You know, you always have the choice. And so therefore, you're solely responsible for your own actions. And Thad chooses poorly. <laughs> he chose poorly. Um, <laughs> you're just full and of them so <laughs> it's, it's, it's really that, but it's exactly that thing, right? You know, he still... It's that moment in, you know, the the Last Crusade where he sees the cup and he must have it. You know, he sees the eye and he must have it because it promises to give him everything that he wants mm-hmm. with no sacrifice, you know. And so, um, and I think that's a, that's the other thing we see Billy learn here, which is that he's he becomes somebody who's willing to sacrifice for other people, even though he barely knows them, because... It's the right thing to do, and he loves them. Like, he, he loves them enough to want to be sacrificial towards them. Even though, you know, Freddy has hurt his feelings pretty badly with the way he's dealt with things, you know? Like, it's not like this is an easy choice for him, but he makes the right choice, and it's just... I really appreciated that we get to have this kind of conversation in a comic book movie that is, yes, it's a lot of fun, but it wasn't just fun. They really had some, I think, really important things to say. And and I think, you know, our best comics allow us to be able to play out some of those morality tales in a way that can, you know, we can take them home with us, which is great. And, you know, you made me think of something when you said that, Matt, is that Basically, they're saying having superpowers doesn't make you a hero. That yes, that it's the personality of you know being selfless and you know being willing to give your life for other people and being concerned for everyone else but yourself um, that makes you someone who's really a hero to the world, and that you know that's what eventually eats up Thad on the inside is that he's not realizing that having the seven deadly sins inside him all the time is not doing him any favors. And, you know, that without them, he suddenly is just a regular guy again, I thought was a a really big theme that I liked that they included. Well, because think about it. Like, what does sin do? It always leaves you empty. Mm -hmm. You know, sin always returns void. Like, it will always... it, It promises greatness right and it leaves you feeling like a husk yeah and that's exactly what like you're saying that's what thad becomes he just becomes a vessel for the sin to enact itself and do these bad things and then 
once they're gone, he's nothing, you know? And he's left with and nothing. He's left with, yes, absolutely. Um, and I think, you know, when you when you use power for your own gain, it, it leaves you alone. And that's exactly what we see in the movie. Thad only wants to take care of himself. He only cares about himself. And Billy learns to care about other people and those two things because i mean he tells mary earlier he's like just do you worry about you you know like and isn't that kind of like every message we get everywhere around the world all day we're just kind of bombarded with the the message of like you do you Mm -hmm. who cares about anybody else you know and that's 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 the lie of those seven deadly sins right like, that's why they're called the seven deadly sins. You know, the wages of sin is death. So I love that about this movie. I do too. And what I loved the most was Billy figuring that out. That was that wisdom of Solomon kicking in, I think, where he he realizes that only six of those sins have come out. And he confronts Savannah and starts talking about envy. And that's the thing about Savannah too. Savannah is full of envy, not just the sin, but as a person. He was full of envy before. He always wanted what other people had, what he wasn't given, what he wasn't rewarded with. And so Billy (laughs) knows how to get that out of him. And when envy finally comes out, I'm just like, oh, yes, you are so good. Thank you. Because he just knew exactly the right triggers to make. And I think that that also comes from some of his own past experiences and how he felt growing up as a foster kid and having lost his mother. I think, again, he made a choice there. And and it wasn't really, I don't know, it was, it was kind of strong verbiage. And he did intend for it to be mean, but that was so he could get under Savannah's skin and get envy to actually attack. Mm-hmm. So uh, I just, I thought that was the most brilliant way to go about that. I was like, yep, you talk him out. You talk him out. Way to go. Love it. Just keep poking the bear. Yep. Poke that bear. <laughs> Didn't take any fists. All I had to do was talk. Mm-hmm. Nothing like poking a sin bear. <laughs> right? <you know>? Like <laughs> I uh. do that daily. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I mean, and I, I think... That's the thing that is kind of beautiful about this movie, too, is that it really is about Billy finding a place where he can learn that. And I love the whole thing about, you know, all hands on deck, you know, in this this hodgepodge of a family, which I think is so beautiful in this movie. Um, And, you know... And it's, I love when they're backing out the car because they're going to go after Billy. And the bumper sticker, you know, I'm a, I'm a foster mom. What's your superpower? Mm-hmm. And I just think, you know, the way that this movie talks about the importance of family is so beautiful and the power of foster families and the power of love and faith in a family. Because this isn't just any family, right? This is a family who truly loves each other. And th- what binds them together is that faith and love. And I thought that was really important to see in this film. And, um, you know, I kind of, it was funny because this is a Christmas movie, actually. So yes. that's right. You got your superhero Christmas movie. Mm-hmm. And I noticed that there are 
a, a few different scenes where you see nativities around because um, people have them in their yard. And you kind of think about that whole idea of like who comes to the nativity, right? You have kings and you have outcasts. And like Billy is the outcast, right? Who's being brought into this family and being cared for um, and being given a seat at the table uh, as one of the family. Like he's he's accepted, he's loved, he's cared about from like the very beginning, you know? And it just, there's something really beautiful about that. And especially in a world where, you know, um, there are so many kids out there who need this kind of care. So like even just metatextually in our own world, the importance of foster families and people who do that, they need our support so much, you know, and, and those kids need our support. And so I just really appreciated that this movie, I mean, I know it's part of the comic, right? But I think that they did a wonderful job portraying exactly how important this is because it can help be the difference between a kid making the choice to be a better person like Billy does or getting another fad, right? Like, Mm -hmm. and the world needs more kids who turn out like Billy, that was the number one thing that I loved about this movie, because for one thing, I do have several cousins that happen to be adopted, um, and it's never been any different than anyone I happen to be biologically related to, because it, our family absolutely believes that you don't have to be blood related to be family, and that there are so many kids that could have such a better life by having good parents that adopted them that wanted to take care of them because unfortunately not everybody wants to be a parent and sometimes they end up becoming one. Um, And so then that's how kids end up in this situation like Billy did. You know, you feel bad for his mother because she was only 17 and the father didn't want to be around. And so she didn't really know what else to do, but it, it also is a woman giving up, the thing that she brought into the world. And so it's really sad in that sense of like, wow, she just had no connection to want to keep him at all. So I I think that it's such a powerful message of, like I said, like that found family is still family and that it encourages that um, building of more love in the world and acceptance. I just, I thought it was beautiful. I love that as well. Uh, that's that's one of the biggest aspects of the New 52 revival that I adore is them bringing the foster family into this because Darla, Eugene, and Pedro did not exist before the New 52. And I loved that weaving together of that tale. It made everything more interesting. It made the motivation more believable and... There is a line when uh, in the comic when Billy is talking to the wizard and he gives him a clue as to, you know, what we see happening later in the film that, you know, your family is what it can be, not necessarily what it should be. And it's he's telling him you have a choice. It doesn't have to be about who you're related to. You can choose your family. And I think many people have done that. I have people in my life that are not blood-related, but I consider them family. Mm -hmm. I have chosen them to be part of my family, and they have chosen me to be part of their family. And there is nothing more wonderful than that. And there is nothing more wonderful than seeing, 
especially to foster parents who had been foster children themselves, Mm -hmm. who had been through everything, who could relate to these kids on that level. And just, you know, I don't know how they afford it, quite frankly. I mean, I know that there are subsidies and everything for foster children. That's not the point. They don't do it for that. They do it simply for the love of wanting to share the love that they've found with as many children as they possibly can. And it does make me wonder uh, what other foster children may have passed through their home and gone on to better lives. So it's, I just can't say enough about the love in this film. And did you not love Darla? Darla is so perfect, (laughs) so perfect, so perfect. They nailed her. That little girl. Oh, my word, that little girl. I just want to take her home. Me too. I never wanted to be a parent, but I would take that child home. (laughs) She is. She is a scene stealer. Absolute scene stealer Mm -hmm. and perfect in every way. Yeah, I think it's a great time, you know, to to talk about the cast and the characters. Because I agree with you. You know, Darla was so adorable. And I think the thing that they did with her is they didn't make her so overly cute that you're like, you don't buy it. She felt like a real character, like a real person, Absolutely. you know, and because there are lots of little kids that are like that and she's making the best out of her situation. And, you know, I was even thinking to myself, there's a part of her character or somebody who doesn't like to be quiet. You know, there's probably something there and that could be something interesting to explore, but it make it's a great little character piece that kind of gets you that, you know, each one of these kids that are in this home, they kind of have a thing, you know, and each one is has their own different thing that they're struggling with. And I think they do a really good job with that. And you're right. I mean, she's just she's really adorable. Mm-hmm. And so that definitely helps um, for sure in the movie. And um, I think one of the things that they do for each of the characters and, and Darla specifically, you know, each person that comes in and plays them in as an adult did a great job, I feel like, of studying their kid mm-hmm. so that they could pull off being them as, you know, their superhero version, um, as their Shazam version. And I, I think specifically she really pulled that off well. Um, it was great to be able to see that. So, yeah, she was great. My name is Darla, and I've been very good this year. <laughs> I was waiting for that. <laughs> it was so funny. Oh. Uh. <laughs> Well, and I think, you know, what I love, too, is in in kind of speaking of that whole idea, like, you know, Asher Angel and Zachary Levi, I think, do such a great job of playing Billy. Asher does a great job of pulling in just enough of the cynicism from the New 52 without making himself completely unlikable. And, you know, that's hard to do because in the comic, a lot of people complain about, you know, him just being a jerk. But... And he is, but I mean, you know, that's kind of the point. Um, That's the point of that whole version of the story. But I think him and and Zachary do a great job of being able to play this together. And um, I thought his performance was one of the best in the movie, Asher's. You know, um, obviously I love Zach. I couldn't say enough about Zach. But, you know, seeing somebody new like this, uh, I was really, really Every time Asher was on screen, it wasn't like I was like, oh, Zachary Levi's gone, you know? Mm-hmm. He had enough of a presence that I enjoyed being with him as much as I did Zach. And that says a lot. And Asher, to me, got the coolest part of the whole movie. When he leaps off the roof chest first, I was like, yes! That was the best! <laughs> Love that so much! It gives me goosebumps every time. <laughs> 
But I, no, I totally agree. Asher Angel is a revelation. <laughs> that kid is unreal. And I knew that from the moment that I first saw the first trailer or the first teaser, what have you. And I'm like, who is this? I must know more. And he's 16 now and has shot up like a foot. So he's, mm-hmm. he's almost as tall as Zachary Levi. I think he's like six feet tall now. And, uh, I'm, he's coming to Salt, uh, to Fanex Salt Lake Comic Convention along with Zachary Levi, and I'm wondering how weird it's going to be for an almost 46-year-old woman to go up and get an autograph from a 16-year-old kid, and I don't care, actually. You could say it's I for your care. kid. Get the photo op with both of them, you know? <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I suck at photo ops, and I can't actually get a photo op because it's it could I can't choose the time that they do that and it could interfere with the panel I'm doing that day Ah, so ah. I can't do that but sometimes and Zachary Levi has done this before you can actually get selfies uh, included with your autograph at the celebrity booths and so I'm kind of thinking along those lines Uh, but anyway I I love this kid Turns out he's been on uh, Andy Mack. I don't, I don't know the show that well. Uh, he sings. He plays the guitar. Talk about an overachiever. He's like a miniature Zachary Levi. <laughs> he's, a, he's just a, a super decent human being. And especially at 16 years old, that is really impressive to me. And he's just got a presence. You know, I think that's exactly why you're saying what you're saying, Brandy, because. Exactly. Yeah, he is. He's unforgettable. He's unforgettable. And I am every way. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, I'm not going to start that. But yeah, I just was so impressed with him, even in just the trailers and getting to see a whole movie with him. Absolutely loved it. There was never a time where I was disappointed when one or the other was on the screen because they both just worked so well together, even though they were <laughs> never on, sc- on screen together. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the things that Zach is able to do is like, and I, I could see how somebody could probably see it as over the top, but he really just creates that exuberance of, of what it would be like to be a kid in a, the body of a man, mm-hmm. you know, Absolutely. just like big, you know, it's that same experience. And, and that, and, and what I like about the movie is that, you know, it only takes place over like a few days. So, you know, we really don't get to see all of his powers really truly come to fruition. You know, I, Obviously, Shazam has the wisdom of Solomon, and so therefore, I think that'll be something that kind of comes as we move later on down the line. You know, just like Superman not being fully, completely Superman to Man of Steel because it's his first day on the job, right? You know, like, I I always appreciate them giving you that opportunity to kind of experience the growth of these characters, you know? And, And they did it with Wonder Woman. Obviously, they have done it with Aquaman. And here, you know, with Shazam... This is all about that wish fulfillment of a kid turning into a superhero and being in a really, I mean, uh, he's in a very tough, vulnerable place of somebody who has to learn how to deal with these powers. And what will he choose? Will he choose to be, you know, go the way of evil, you know, with his powers or will he choose good? And and you see that struggle where he could choose to be somebody who just turns out to be a selfish jerk. Mm-hmm. You know, and and you we don't get that, obviously, because that's not what's going to happen because it's called Shazam. It's going to turn out to be good. But watching that play out, I think, you know, Zach was able to pull that off well. And I personally have always liked him. And so, you know, I'm predisposed to like whatever he does, 
in that. And so I, I, I thought that he was kind of when I remember when they cast him, I was like this. Yeah, it's perfect. Perfect choice. So and and he didn't prove me wrong. And he's perfect, too, with the look, you know, I mean, like, you know, Superman purely because of his perfectly coiffed hair and sh- clean shaven face. And I feel like, you know, um, it, that could be seen here with Zachary Levi as Shazam. You recognize immediately that he's got to be a superhero because of his build, his hair and everything. Um, so I felt like he really embodied that physical appearance of what we think of as a superhero in the classic way and then also having a cape. Um, but I, I love the, the comedy that Zachary Levi and, um, you know, Asher Angel get to do in this movie as Shazam because the back and forth at unexpected times was funny of them, you know, deciding when to become Asher or when to become, you know, the grown up version. Um, and I really loved the um, the scene, especially where, you know, like you were saying, Brandy, he gets to pull Envy out of the villain um, and didn't have to actually physically fight him at all. Um, and I have to say, too, the scene on the subway where he wakes up as Shazam and the guy is in his face <laughs> yes. telling him, it, I don't know why, but this just works. My My favorite one, I think where the switching back and forth was a tactical thing. Cause he says early on when he is convincing, uh, Freddie that he's really Billy. And, uh, he's like, I don't even know how to pee in this thing. Later on, you see a scene where they have, um, zapped a Dr. Pepper machine, obviously have drank everything that came out of the machine. And he has to pee really bad, runs into the men's room doesn't know how to pee in the suit. Oh, right. Shout Shazam. <laughs> and guy comes running out with his pants all partially down, scared to death. Just, that was joyous for me. But And when I heard Zach was cast, I said, there is nobody else on this planet who is more suited to embody a 14-year-old in a man. <laughs> and not because he's immature. That is not it at all. He is not an immature person. But he has the ability to connect with that same feeling. And when I watch him as Shazam, I can see Asher Angel's performance in there as well. I could believe that he is Billy in a man's body. And I I don't think they could have done that more perfectly with any other actors. Like when he holds the sign up in the window that says, don't scream. (laughs) I said not to scream! (laughs) (laughs) And I... Really, I think, you know, Jack Dylan Grazer as Freddy plays off both of them so well, you know, and and that's not an easy thing to do because, you know, they're different people. And so the vibes you get off and but it felt like a continuous performance in it, 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 like a continuous thing, like he's acting off the same person, even though one's grown up and one's a kid. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I I enjoyed him since the trailer, you know, because he was a superhero kid and you'd see in his room and he was the one that was doing all the connectivity with the dceu you know he's the one who's got the batarang and the the papers with superman and you know the batman action figure and the wonder woman action figure and the superman hat and he's always wearing every single day he's wearing a superhero t-shirt you know it's like it's great but at the same time he gets to be that person who gets to kick billy in the butt when he's like of course I want to be you. You don't think I want to be you right now? The the crippled foster kid? 
of course I want to turn into the superhero, you know, and like give some perspective to him. And I just, I, I really liked his performance. I've, you know, seen the movie twice. I really appreciated him as an actor and I'm excited for them to continue with, with those three together in Shazam 2 or whatever they call it, the Shazamming. Um, Works you know, I, I, I'm really excited to have him back because they, I think they, they did a good job of casting kids that you want to watch on screen, which is so important in a movie like this. Because if one of those kids sucks, especially Asher or Jack, you are in a heap of trouble and that does not happen. Yeah, I thought that I recognized Jack and then I realized from where he was in the most recent remake of It as one of the kids. Um, Which I couldn't watch. I tried watching it and I got through about 10 minutes of it and I'm like, nope, sheep death, I'm out. (laughs) (laughs) I can't handle this. But he's still great. And I mean, I I like that in this role, especially in the beginning, the way that he his character goes with the dark humor was so funny. I mean, the fact that he's like, yeah, got a bum leg uh, or whatever. He is like, they threw me out the window one time. (laughs) Gets real Game (laughs) of Thrones up in here. (laughs) I was like, Wait, is he Why serious? Why so dark? You're a crippled foster kid. You've got it all. <laughs> <laughs> the way he says it, too, is just, oh, Jack. And that he's Jack just, is- like, turning it on its head to where, like, you know, I feel like people immediately assume because someone has a, you know, a different ability or they're, you know, disabled that that means that you should feel sorry for them in some way. And it's like, we're all people here, you know? Like, yes, he may be having that issue, but his mind is fine. And, you know, he's still able to do everything else that a kid his age could do. So I like that, you know, he's like, yeah, whatever, you know, doesn't make a big deal about it. Obviously, it's uh, a detriment to him when he's getting beaten up at school. But I mean, every kid probably has been through some kind of bullying at some point, sadly. So true. And sadly, I have been through plenty of bullying in my childhood as well. I, Jack Grazer, Jack Dylan Grazer, what an adorable kid you are. His facial expressions are worth gold. Mm -hmm. Just, I don't, I don't know how else to explain it. I have never seen such perfectly pitched comedic facial expressions from a kid that age. Just, you know, just that kind of look where he's just like, <laughs> you can hear that, but he's not saying anything. It's only his face. Mm-hmm. <sighs> he's just, I, he's fantastic. And he's kind of really the moral compass for Billy. He's the person he's just like, you almost killed all of these people on this bus. And he's like, yeah, but I caught it. <laughs> you got it. <laughs> And, and I love when he says, I can't talk to you like this. I can't talk to you when you look like this. <laughs> and but, I, it, but no matter how angry he was at Billy, he was still looking for him after Savannah showed up and started beating the crap out of him. Mm-hmm. He was still going everywhere, looking for him, calling his name. Because that's the kind of kid he is. He doesn't abandon people just because he's upset with them. And that teaches Billy a valuable lesson, even though he doesn't actually see that happening. It, it's the example that Freddie is, yeah. is a big influence on him. 
Well, and he's totally what you guys are saying, you know, the moral compass for Billy, because I mean, it's, they show it even before Billy gets the powers of Shazam when Darla is just trying to treat him like a brother. And he's like, you don't have to hug me. We're not actually brother and sister. And you just feel that ouch moment. And, you know, Freddie is the one that's like, hey, Darla, it's OK. You can come with me. So I, I I like that he can play both sides. He can be the sensitive person and be this person to say to Billy when he's Shazam. Yeah, you got all these powers, but you didn't become a better person. And I thought you said that you were going to do all these things. And then it's like, you're not really a superhero. You're just going around showing people your people your cool tricks. And charging them for selfies. Yeah. Well, and it, yeah, I mean, it's that thing, you know, like power doesn't make you a better person. Yep. It just makes you more powerful, whatever it is you are, you know, and it just accentuates what's inside. I think, you know, I, that is where why I think you get Mark Strong to play Savannah because you need that. And I thought he was he was really good, you know, and, and I think, you know, a lot of problems with a lot of superhero movies is you don't have a villain that has good character motivations. But I feel like Savannah, because we have the mirror between him and Billy, is a good villain because he's he's doing he's on the same path that Billy is, but making those different choices. And we understand the reasons he's making those choices. I mean, Lionel Luther is his father. So um, if you know, that's that's who uh, his his dad is played by the same guy who played Lionel Luther in, in Smallville, um, and so which was great. I loved that casting, perfect because he, I Jonathan Glover feels like the nicest guy ever, but he's so good about playing a sling, slime ball, like just so good at it. And so, but I I felt like Mark Strong gives you what you need in this character to be the person who feels like they are a walking time bomb of emotion for all the things that they've experienced in their life that they've never found a way to be able to let go of and they just hold it all in because it's what drives them to take care of themselves because nobody else is going to take care of me and I'll do whatever I have to do. Uh, And then he lets all that evil sin out all over the place on people and yeah, I like, I mean, I, again, I liked it. I thought it was for a lot of comic book movies that I've seen. This is one of the stronger villain motivations I've I've seen in a long time, honestly. I completely agree with that. And to be fair, Mark Strong is often cast as a villain, but he is mm-hmm. such a nice guy. There are so many pictures from the publicity tour, especially one from when they were uh, there in London. And it's, that's a big archway that has the word Shazam across it. Zachary Levi standing in front of it. And uh, Mark Strong is hiding behind him and doing bunny ears <laughs> with this, with this face, like, <laughs> you know, just face like, ha ha. <laughs> and it's just, and then there's a, the picture right after that is them both laughing to each other. And it's just, I love Mark Strong. I've always loved Mark Strong. And he played this pitch perfect. He played it with the right amount of angst, with the right amount of anger. He wasn't over the top. He was just, uh, everything he did made sense. Everything he did was in character with everything that we saw from the beginning of the film. And I love it when you have a great villain like that. It's it's not that easy to come by. Because there are so many comic book villains out there in our superhero comics. But 
this one just really nailed it in this film. And I, I found him way more compelling than the comic version. Way more. Motivation was better, everything. So I just, I just ate him up. Loved every bit. Yeah, I, I've really liked Mark Strong and the other things I've seen him in. And he does usually play a villain. <laughs> uh, I guess some people are just really good at that. Like Anthony Hopkins. Who knew? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but it, it, it was great because, too, his villain being this strong gives so much more weight to what's going on with Billy and Shazam. I mean, I think if you didn't have a strong villain, that it would just feel too silly um and like you know it was all of this fluff but not really going anywhere so i i feel like that whole side of things it does definitely mirror what's going on with billy and say like you know it was a choice how did you interpret things and cause yourself to turn out and i love that moment when you know Shazam and Savannah are um confronting each other about it and you know he actually says to Savannah I went out and I did something good. What did you do? You know, I I love that moment. And um, I like that, like we were saying earlier, Matt, you know, at at the end of the day, after Savannah lets all of this sin into his life and use him, he's now killed his brother, killed his father. He's got nothing left other than, you know, now a caterpillar who's crazy. Well, I I know (laughs) who that caterpillar is, but... You know, that was definitely setting up some stuff. So I got to tell you before you throw Mr. that in. Mr. Mind. <laughs> Yo, Mr. Mind. It reminded me of uh, the guy from SpongeBob. Plankton. <laughs> it made me think of Plankton. <laughs> I am not going to be able to disassociate that now. <laughs> He's just always going to be Plankton from now on. <laughs> reminds me of the caterpillar from... Alice in Wonderland. Oh, yes, and they're smoking a pipe. So, yeah, yeah. Who are you? Um, I do have to say, real quickly, I love the people that they got to play, the parents. I think... uh, Beautiful. um, Loved them. Yeah, I just... They were were so good. They were so heartfelt. Um, I think they brought everything that they needed to it. You know, um, when they're worried about these kids, you feel it. I think they've just felt... They just brought people in that had... The uh, you know you, you we use the word gravitas usually to to mean somebody like Anthony Hopkins or you know Russell Crowe or something, but I felt like they had the gravitas to be foster parents. You know, like you bought them loving these kids and wanting what's best for them, and being people who have experienced a lot of these things themselves, so they could be very forgiving of those kids that came through their doors. And I just I really appreciate that, and I loved that, and I think. You know, again, showing the importance of good parenting and good parents is just so important in this world today. Like, and, and parents that aren't afraid to, you know, do what they have to do to be there for their kid, whatever that is, whether it's running out the door for them or making sure they're not playing video games all day. You know, just like those little things, is it's great. And so, and what you could tell is that they parent those kids differently. Each kid has a certain parenting style. It's not a, you know, one and done kind Mm -hmm. of thing. Like, not everybody has the same rules. And, you know, it's like, I don't know. I just really appreciated that. I thought it was really, really well done. Agree. Well, at the end of the day, nobody is born a bully. Nobody is born a racist. No one is born a sexist. No one is born any of those things. 
those things are taught to them usually by their families. So it is super, super important to have these kind of positive role models for these kids and just for audiences in general. I, I can't say enough great things about how they were portrayed, which is similar to how they were portrayed in the comic as well, that they are their former foster kids. They know what it's like, but they realize that you still can choose your behavior. And so they do their best to help guide each of these children to choose their behavior. They can't control what kind of behavior they choose, but they do their best to lead by example and show them all the best choices they can. And to piggyback on what you're saying, Brandy, you know, boiling down to that we all want to be loved and accepted. And that's what they're doing for the kids that live with them. You know, they're showing them that family is whatever you want it to be. Um, and that it's about building the love and understanding and showing that they're all having different needs, but that love is the biggest one that we all have in common. Um, and I don't want to, you know, get too sappy about it, but I, I did think that that was a really important message, especially just for audiences in general, that it, they take away from this. So I I loved that aspect of it. And I do think that the actors that played the parents were really sweet, that it it comes across as like, they don't have to be authoritarian to be good parents either. No, they don't. And when it comes right down to it, isn't love the greatest superpower of them all? Amen. Foster moms and dads are superheroes. Absolutely. Yeah. No, I, I agree. And I, it's just... You know what, there's something to be said about seeing, we just don't see this a lot, and it, you know, but, like, there's a wholesomeness to them, right? There's nothing wrong with being wholesome and, and like, having good virtue and values, and, like, that's what these people have. Like, they have a virtue and, a, and, and values that they pass on to their kids, and it's just, it's so beautiful and so important, and um, we could go on about it for a long time, but um, we should probably move on. One of the things I think that this movie does really well is that this movie is not about action set pieces. It's more about the character. So I was thinking about this, like, oh, the action in the movie. I don't mind the action in the movie, but that's not really what it's about. And I thought that was really smart because it's not about them beating each other up or whatever. This movie was really about them finding a way to outsmart the characters. And yeah, there's some punching and stuff that goes along with that, right? But that, this is much, I don't know, there's just something about it that set it apart. Because we didn't just end with a CGI fest at the end where everything is CGI. Um, It really felt more down to earth and real. And like, the, the, the stakes were real for all of the characters, you know, and what they're doing. And of course... You have the whole Marvel family then show up, you know, and they're all helping each other and everything. But it it comes down to not a fist fight between them, but a more of a battle of wills. And I really appreciate it that this movie didn't just feel like, oh, we have to do this because we, you know, that's what we expect. Like it did the unexpected, you know, and it did the unexpected in a way that then surpassed my expectations, you know. Don't just subvert my expectations and then fail, 
you know, mm-hmm. this doesn't do that at all. Well, and it became so much about, especially at the end when all of the kids become the Shazam versions of themselves, uh, it became about using all of their individual talents, you know, it, that one of them was better at speed and one of them was better with strength. And, you know, that it wasn't like they were all all powerful. I really liked that aspect of it as well. Yes, each one had a different aspect of, you know, because it's wisdom of stamina, strength of Hercules, stamina, or, yeah, wisdom of Solomon, strength of Hercules, stamina of Atlas, power of Zeus, lightning, uh, courage of Achilles, and speed of Mercury. And there each one of them has, well, Shazam himself has them all, but they each get their one little bit that they are the best at. And honestly, I didn't know for sure if they were going to go there in this film. I was not sure. And so when I saw it, I got so excited. I cried. <laughs> I was so happy. I cried everything, guys. I cry when I'm happy. That's I cry okay. when I'm sad. I cry when I'm scared. I cry when I'm angry. But I was crying tears of joy because I wanted that so much. It was the one thing that I really hoped they would do in the film. Everything else was negotiable. I was ready to have a great time. And when that happened, I'm just like, yes, thank you. Well, and it shows kids, too, that everybody has something valuable to bring. Absolutely. Absolutely. They're stronger together. We're all That's, I think, the whole thing. That's another theme. (laughs) Stronger together, whether you're a superhero team or a foster family. Yep. Stronger together. Yeah, I really really appreciated that in the very end, that that was one of the main messages, is that, you know, what does Billy learn in the end? Is it's not about being out for you it's about allowing others to help you when you need help and helping others when they need help because Mm -hmm. we all need somebody you know i guess the song is we all just want to be loved and it's so true that's exactly what we want we want to be loved but that love then it compels us if it's true love to then help others in return and it's this cyclical thing that continues to happen and it feeds itself um, and you can either feed sin, which gets you nothing, that leaves you dead inside and probably just dead in general, or you can feed love, which then creates life. Mm-hmm. Like, And that's the beauty of this movie, I think, you know, and that's what we kind of see, which the whole point of him, you know, he opens his heart to his brothers and sisters and they gain some of his strength in return because of that love that they share not because of the sin or the hate or any of those things but no it's because of the love that bonds them that's really beautiful like that's 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 awesome like we as you were saying brandy it's like we just need more of that to be seen in films and so you know um and i think yeah i just i I appreciate that. Again, we're talking about this in, in a in a very goofy, silly superhero movie, but they found a way to ground it in a sense of reality, and that's where that ending, where it's not just about uh, who's going to punch who harder, it's about really where do these ideas come down to? Because this movie is, in the end, it's a battle of ideas. Whether you're stronger together or you're stronger just by yourself holding on to everything greedily, mm-hmm. you know, and we clearly see what the winner is. And I think that's 
that's worthy of celebration. That's absolutely worthy of celebration. And one more thing I forgot to add. I wanted to know what you guys thought of the uh, tracks chosen for this movie music-wise. I, I loved them, especially that they used Eye of the Tiger. I was like, yeah, <laughs> how can you not? This is set in Philadelphia. You actually show that building and the steps leading up to it. They talk about Rocky. That was and great. The view, yeah, that's why he ran all the way up here he let, let, to get this view. You can't not use Eye of the Tiger at that point. Come on. Well, and I didn't realize apparently a tiger was in the comic. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, there are references. Number one, uh, Billy is wanting his mom to win him a tiger when we see him as mm-hmm. a young boy of uh-huh. about four. Number two, uh, there is a patch of a tiger face on the back of his backpack. Number three, when he gets blown into that uh, little carnival building with all the stuffed animals and there's a little girl and her father and she's really scared he hands her a stuffed tiger Mm -hmm. so there's three different references to tawny the tiger in that film even though though that was part of the original comic that was part of the new 52 it it wouldn't make sense to do that in live action and i'm glad they didn't but they referenced it so I don't know. I was kind of thinking that they were going to pull, like he was going to be able to create Tawny out of one of those tigers because it was referenced to, you <laughs> know, and I was like, I was going to be okay with it. I was going to love it because that's what really, maybe in Shazam too, the Shazamining. Yes. I'm <laughs> okay with that. Yes. Do Tawny and the, and the Shazamining. Um, I don't know if you should call it the Shazamining. No, it's just, just the first thing that came to my mind. So yeah, it's a working so, title. It's, it's yeah. So <laughs> I think, I think it is clear that that we all really liked this movie, and so I'm kind of wondering, and, and there are still things that I think we could talk about, and I'm going to love talking about this on the, the Babel Conference with everyone, um, but wh- where would you guys, what would you guys rate this one, do you think? So I, I would rate it a 9 out of 10. Uh, I'm going to say, hmm, what do I want to rate with? 9 out of 10 Tawny Tigers. Um because I felt like there was so much, like you were saying, Matt, with the character development. Um, and I love that that's the direction they went with this instead of it being more of a fighting movie and a traditional superhero kind of deal. Um, I felt like it had so much heart and really is a, like an encouraging movie that I would rewatch again and that I would like to share with my niece and nephew and, you know, it. It encourages good things, regardless of what your beliefs are. Um, Although I did think it was interesting that it went such a um, traditionally biblical route with talking about the seven deadly sins and Solomon and, um, you know, the juxtaposition of good and evil so much in this movie, in particular, talking about sin. Um, But I I do think that it... um, I wouldn't give it a 10 out of 10 just because on occasion I felt like some of the jokes were a little weak, but I mean, that's really the only negative thing I had to say about it. Um, I love the music. I am a particular fan of Queen, so throwing in Don't Stop Me Now was great. Um, Yeah, I mean, I I don't know what else to say. I loved it. I I would go see it again. Well, I've already seen it twice, and (laughs) I'm wondering when they're going to release it on Blu-ray so that I can just have it on almost constant rotation. I will watch anything Zachary Levi is in. I'll I'll be upfront about that. But it wasn't just about that. It was a combination of so many things in this film that I loved. And I'm kind of 
trying to figure out which reference I'm going to use, but I think I'm going to go with 11 out of 10 Magic 8 Balls. <laughs> yeah. I really liked this movie. And and I think one of the things that, um, you know, DC is, is really doing well is creating different feels, you know, for the characters in that, you know, Shazam shouldn't feel like a Batman movie, right? You know, and then uh, Aquaman had its own feel, you know, and, and I really appreciate that, like, you you really do want these movies to kind of stand apart in the sense that have their own identity. And so this movie clearly has its own identity, and I think that's so important. And I really enjoyed it. Uh, getting a chance to watch it again, I'm really got, glad I got a chance to see it a second time because I think I liked it even more the second time. You know, it's just a, uh, you know, and part of that is just, I think for me, for most the, most movies, going in like this, like I need a first viewing and then I need a second viewing just so I can sit back. You know, every once in a while, there's something that kind of blows me away first time. And I know that that's, that's really special. Um, that actually happened with me with Aquaman. Um, I just loved that movie right away. But I just, I, the things we talked about with this movie that, you know, anybody who listens to the show knows that that's one of my favorite things to be able to do in a film is be able to talk about really important themes and, and, themes that I think are just, you know, whether an adult or a kid, they should matter, you know, and I think that they really got that perfect in this movie in that sense. And I'm with Christy. There's a couple of things, you know, here and there where it's just like, oh, I probably wouldn't have done that. And I think one of the biggest things is that there was too much of the movie in the trailers. Yeah. And there was too much of the movie that was funny in the trailers so that it took away from when I saw it in the movie still funny but not as not as funny or cool if they had just left that and and that's just a marketing thing that just annoys me with you know any money be so um but i feel like sometimes it takes away from the experience of just getting to be in the movie and have that funny line come out but then when you know it's coming because you've seen that scene before sometimes it changes things so anyway regardless for me this is a clear four out of five superman cameos <laughs> so you know uh which i loved um in fact i was reading today anybody who's wondering um they couldn't get henry to do that because his schedule wouldn't allow it and if anybody knows he's actually in budapest i think these days filming the witcher series that's coming for um netflix so he's been very busy with that and he wasn't able to get away to do that cameo but they still want and they if if henry could do it they had lines for him but they decided you know, they didn't want to do that, and they just cut away to the reaction. I think it works fine. Um, I would have loved Henry to be there because I think it would have been great. Um, that I that move that made the movie five out of five for me mm -hmm. right there. Yeah. Anyway, so great. I had so much fun. I just, I mean, I love when I get to go to the movies and I like really like the movie. You know, like it. it that's when it lives up to my expectations. And that way is fantastic. So I'm so glad we got a chance to talk about Shazam. Really want to say a huge thank you to Ken Tripp, Davis Grayson, Ryan Millette, and Daniel Noah for supporting the show, the 602 Club here through Patreon. Um, now, Patreon is a place where you can support the network. Now, if you know Trek FM, and you do because you're listening, we have so many shows that are coming out each and every week, and there's just no way that we can... We can do this ourselves you know uh, as hosts here there's no way we can afford to do it all by ourselves so we need your help each and every little bit helps every month so go to patreon.com slash trek fm you can see how you can be part of a team 
we got some great contribution levels that come with different perks. But again, you know, any, any little bit you can do every month will make a huge difference to making sure that all of the shows keep coming to you. So again, that's patreon.com slash trekfm. Brandy, so much fun to have you on to talk both Captain Marvels this year. <laughs> uh, but uh, let everybody know where they could find you if they want to talk about, you know, uh, Marvel or DC. Well, there are a few places. But before I do that, I do want to stress, guys, if you want to see something on social media that is full of positivity and love and kindness, go follow Zachary Levi on Twitter. Go follow him on Instagram. You will not regret it. He is marvelous. That is all I can say. Marvelous. <laughs> that was actually the original name was Captain Marvelous. Anyway, actually it was Captain Thunder. I it was but Captain Sparkle no, Fingers. It was Captain <laughs> Thunder, but that was already in use, and so they changed it to Captain Marvelous and shortened it to Captain Marvel. Yes, I, I know, know way too much. I like about Captain that. Thundercrack. <laughs> oh God, that was terrible. <laughs> <laughs> Red Cyclone wasn't bad. Uh, anyway, but you can find me on Twitter at Brandywine12, and you can find me in the Babel Conference lurking about as much as I can, which is not very often because my life is kind of stupid busy right now, and that's okay. You can also find me on the Dark Corner podcast with my wonderful husband of almost 22 years, Dave. And we talk about lots of geeky things and nerdy things like Shazam and the Marvel and DC Universe and a bunch of other things. There is strong language, usually from me, so please be aware of that. But you can find that at darkcornerpodcast.com. You can also find me appearing on the Twilight Zone podcast, which is on twilightzonepodcast.com. And uh, I'm there with my longtime friend, Tom Elliott, discussing the new series of the Twilight Zone. I'm not on every single episode because he wanted to give as much uh, time to other guest hosts as well, but I will be. I was on the newest episode that came out on Saturday, and I have a couple more coming up, so you can find me there. And uh, I think that's it. That's it. Yeah. That's all. Oh, no. Oh, my word. <laughs> no. I can't believe I almost forgot Life from the Edge. I'm ashamed of <gasps> myself. Bruce is going to kill me. I'm going to tell on you. Do, do. Go. I'll tell him. <laughs> that's the thing. I'll tell him straight up, dude. I'm tired. It's okay. <laughs> so, yes, live from the edge every Friday night on YouTube, Trek FM channel, 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific. We talk about the latest episode of Discovery. We also have Cry Watch. How many episodes so far this season have made Brandy cry? The answer is all of them so far. Will the record hold for the last two episodes? You have to tune in to find out. Christy, you know, uh, we're about to, as we're recording this, we're about to hit uh, Star Wars Celebration in a week. So where can everybody find you? Because I know that they're going to be following you with all the news that we're going to have coming out of that. We're going to have a lot of news. I'm going to be doing daily stuff during uh, the week of Star Wars Celebration. So um, for sure, follow me on Instagram and Twitter. I'm at Bespin Bell. And uh, I'm also going to be doing coverage with uh, my friends on the Star Wars Report. Uh, once a month, I do a segment called Fashion in Five for both men's and women's Star Wars fashion. And then, uh, of course, like I said, doing daily coverage on all the Star Wars news for the Star Wars Report, April 11th through the 15th. So I hope you'll find me there. Well, you can find me, MattRushing02, on Twitter, Instagram, and Letterboxd. Uh, you can also find me here on the network with Chris Jones when we can get an episode out of The Orb talking about Star Trek Deep Space Nine, the best Star Trek show out there. Um, and if you don't believe us, listen to the show. We'll, we'll, we'll make you a believer. Um 
in the profits, that is. Uh, you can also find me over on the Nerd Party Network doing a couple of shows. One is Owl Post with Drea Kaufman as we talk about Harry Potter each and every week, one chapter at a time. You can also find me doing Aggressive Negotiations with John Mills, which is the Star Wars podcast that I do. Man, if you like Star Wars, this is the show for you, so check it out. And last but not least, you can find me doing Cinema Stories with my good friend Courtney, where we talk all about films through the lens of faith. So if you like some of the conversation we got into here about Shazam, you're going to love our Shazam episode, which will be coming out soon. So check that out. And we want to say thank you so much for listening. And y'all come back now, you hear? 